everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Saxa podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez, staying cooler than the other side of the pillow and still working from home. Hi, everyone. My name is Erica Aguiar coming at you from the University of Florida, where it's actually pretty rainy today. I don't know how the weather is in Clemson, but it is it's very Florida, right? It looks pretty bright right now, but not 10 minutes ago, torrential downpour. So very reflective of, I think, my mood for 2020. Yeah, it's also a little rainy over here. I did venture the rain to get myself uh, my afternoon caffeine fix. We are enjoying a pumpkin cold Nitro cold cream cold brew. I think there was too many colds in there, but we're going to run with it. Uh, quite a little hack. Instead of the normal cold brew, we get the nitro brew. And it's twice the fun, twice the energy, and away we go. Is it twice the price? We don't talk about that in public. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, use yep, stars for, we use stars for those kind of things. <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. But you're overall doing okay, friend. We're still holding up. We're holding up. You know, we're rolling with the punches. Uh, we are now in mid-September. Wow, oh wow. I cannot believe where we're at in 2020, girl. As Taylor Swift said, August came and went <laughs> like a bottle of wine. So I feel ya. It just... Hey, in your honor, she performed Betty on the award show last night. Have you seen her live performance? Didn't even know there was an award show. I will catalog, catalog that for later. Okay, I'll make sure to send you the link. Well, Thank welcome you. back. Welcome back, folks, to the first five years. This week for Erica's challenge word, we thought we'd make it a little interesting. Um, Erica, your word of the of the episode is breadcrumbing. Um, oh, okay. And for those of you at home who may not know breadcrumbing, it is a term when you uh, lead folks along and you kind of leave them little hints here and there to help them kind of uh, get to the path that they need to get to. Breadcrumbing. Breadcrumbing, yes. Okay. That's going to be a tough one, but I think I can do it. I believe in you so much. Thank you. So much. Well, welcome back, friends, colleagues. Another episode of the first five years, our chance to share with you relevant topics and issues for new professionals. That's our grad students, our undergrads thinking about higher ed, our friends who are transitioning to mid-level. And I mean, if you're a VPSA listening, hey, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, everyone. And once again, we just hope to bring some timely information based off of the calendar and the time of the year. But really, what is time in 2020 uh, as we explore the, a new frontier, let's call it. Um, and, you know, just wanted to provide a public voice for graduate students and new professionals. So if you're out there listening and you're wondering, is this the world for me? Check us out, hit the subscribe button and just, you know, let us know you're listening. Please, we want to know. <laughs> Please, please. Um, And today we are so excited to introduce a very special guest. Um, Our guest today is Dr. Josie Alquist. Josie is a digital leadership educator discovering the intersection of digital communication technologies and leadership development. Josie received her EDD from California Lutheran University's doctoral program studying higher education leadership. She is an alumna of Northern Arizona University with a master's degree in counseling and holds undergraduate degrees from South Dakota State University, where she double majored in sociology and human development and family studies. Currently, Josie serves as a research associate and instructor at Florida State University, teaching undergraduate and master's level courses. Her podcast, Josie and the Podcast, was featured by the Chronicle of Education, Chronicle of Higher Ed, as a podcast to subscribe to. You can find her blogging and podcasting and doing all the things at www.josiealquist.com. Most recently, and very excitedly, Josie is the recent author of, a, of Digital Leadership in Higher Education, 
Purposeful Social Media in a Connected World, published by Stylus. So please help us welcome Dr. Josie Alquist. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to be here. It is so You're good to so have you. Happy. And you know, as you mentioned before, you're kicking off the book tour. We are so happy that you decided to make this your first stop of that tour. Uh, I heard the Today Show was 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 a contender on for first. So, yeah, I mean, you got to get them all in, and uh, and again, this this is top of my list to be here today. Humbled and honored are we. <laughs> well, for the listeners at home, I am crying. So if I just stop talking randomly, uh, there are tears in my eyes. Um, but welcome, Josie. We're just so happy that you could stop here once again and, and just uh, chat with us. Um, as we kind of mentioned a little, um, as we mentioned a little a second ago, um, today's episode is really about building genuine communities online. Um, and we know uh, that Josie has quite a lot of experience in this realm, so we're just so excited to hear some of that expertise and to just chat it up and, you know, offer some insight for the folks at home who might be wondering, how can I explore this new digital world, especially in uh, 2020 when most of it right now and a lot of it is in the digital world <laughs> a whole new world <laughs> oh yes bring it back to disney <laughs> there were some good my, there <laughs> my mom was yeah. a kindergarten teacher so pretty much disney runs in my my veins it's in your bones yes <laughs> you do not want to get erica started on the disney conversation erica is a proud annual pass holder yes i am thank you so much <laughs> not not going right now the, at all, oh. but you know, in, in familiar times, maybe. In your mind. <laughs> in my mind, I am there, right? The, all those tweets, like mentally, I am here. <laughs> mentally, I'm in a lot of places at the, at the current moment. Happy place. <laughs> well, before we jump in to this topic that I will be taking furious notes on because it's something that I know Agassiz is interested in and I'm really interested in too, always start with my favorite thing, which is what is the best thing you ate this week? So after I did my book launch kickoff, um, like a little live stream, because no pandemic is going to stop me from celebrating this thing. Good. That's right. Over, That's over right. Half years to do. I mean, it was basically like another degree <laughs> that I can hang on my wall back there. All of them <laughs> back there. Absolutely. Proudly, proudly post them up. So we, uh, we went out and grabbed a bite after the kickoff and um, we had churros for dessert um, and then we had some ice cream with it which also is a little bit of like a Disneyland thing too is some, really is. some delicious churros and I'm out here in Los Angeles and they know how to do them right so yes they do and I actually this is unrelated but I believe that Disneyland is better than Disney World and I will fight that battle. We can talk about that off the pod, but you are in exactly the right place for those things. <laughs> Such a better place. You're in a better place. I don't know. <laughs> LA, we're pretty locked down. <laughs> yeah, right now. Yes, yes, yes. Right the now, The quality index is real, real bad. I know, yeah. California and, and Oregon, definitely. And mm. Such a hard place, but I'm glad that there was a little blip of sunshine with Churro. The churros, the churros did it. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I'm actually, what about you? So, um, 
yesterday we had a we had a friend come in uh, from Detroit, one of my partner's best friends visiting in the area. So we decided to take her out to a, a nicer place to eat and probably one of the first times we've gone out, I think, to eat like that publicly. Um, and I had some roasted Brussels sprouts uh, with some country ham and goat cheese. And the combination of all three things, I'm a big uh, Brussels sprout fan, um, was quite amazing and probably the signature part of the meal and it was only the appetizer uh so i definitely have to say the the brussels sprouts and the goat cheese did it for me that sounds so good though minus the goat cheese i'm not a goat cheese girl but i have uh not met a cheese i don't like yet but we'll keep trying (laughs) i feel like my answer is going to be a little lame but my favorite um breakfast at this one spine game so i picked it up on sunday has just this greek yogurt bowl (laughs) And they make their own jam and they make this really good like granola. And then I get a side of sourdough and that is my go-to breakfast. And my goal is to become a regular there enough that they know me because it just, it fills my heart with such happiness. So this yogurt bowl from a restaurant called Afternoon, that's the best thing I eat this week. Do you, I'm curious, do you have like a, a plan of action? Like do you have like a, a 12-step plan of like first I'll start eating there once a week and then you'll kind of gradually go from there? Or like, are we just like, we're just going for it. Well, I think the hard part is that I'm no longer working from home. So I can't really go during the week because they don't open till eight. I'm at work at eight. So I think it's going to be a weekend thing, but really figuring out the the same time every week to hit the same folks that are working there. Um, I also tip, I always tip, you know, very well, not, it's not like a, you know, oh, I tip well, but I definitely now make sure to tip increasingly well because I just think you know the folks that are servers right now and who are um, you know putting themselves out there so that we can eat it, it's such a, an important mm-hmm. that is sometimes unrecognized so mm-hmm. I think also that I want them to kind of remember me as the girl who comes in and um, always gets the same exact thing and also you know make sure that they um, are supported in that way so we'll see if my plan works I don't know that it's you know 100% accurate or going to work the best but we're going to try it you could also start commenting on every Instagram post they post. So <laughs> the like, media, the connection, you're right. There you go. That's this girl flooding our Instagram. Hi, that's me. And <laughs> then you just, you gotta, you just gotta build up. You gotta build up. Right. Don't recognize Okay. Me. Already taking notes, y'all. There you go. Take those notes, girl. Well, wonderful. We're going to go ahead and transition into our rapid fire section. For the, so for the listeners at home, we're going to each take a turn and ask each other some questions. The questions are short in nature. They could be anywhere from goofy to serious. They tend to skew more the, the goof route, uh, very admittedly. Um, so who's first? Oh, Erica. It's Erica me. First. My question to you, Agassi, you love fall, as evidenced by your pumpkin cream cold brew with nitro. So what is your, like, fall thing what is the thing that like there's even it drops two degrees in temperature and Agassiz is doing it I honestly want to say it's my chucka boots <laughs> like those bad boys come out in the fall I love a good dark jean with the chucka boot and like mm-hmm. a gardening combo so I've they've been watching me in the closet I mean all my shoes have been just like patiently waiting for me to wear them again because you know like, work from home there are no <laughs> shoes but definitely the chucka boots are like is it time? And I'm like, almost. I, so it's the boots. You like lovingly pet them? It's like, not yet my child. And I put them back. Oh, goodness. Okay. Talking <laughs> to your shoes. <laughs> That's where we're all at in 2020, right? Yeah. Forget plants. Shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, plants I, are good, I, though. Plants are great. We love our plants. Uh, I do have quite a few succulents there. They're also holding on for dear life at the moment. 
see mine on my windowsill right here. Doing okay. Okay. So my question is for Josie. Okay. So what is something in your Google search history that is representative of who you are? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I suppose it would be probably trying to find out like some kind of news about Wyoming. That's where I grew up and where all my family mm -hmm. is. And A, it doesn't get reported on often. But I mean, like recently, it's been like, what's the latest COVID cases in Wyoming? I think they're now getting their surge finally. Mm -hmm. Not finally, but unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So you'd probably see something like that or like some kind of weather incident or something uh, just trying to find out the <laughs> latest so my family is very important to me they do keep me very abreast but sometimes you know you try to use the internet to find out the most that you can absolutely. yes gotta go. fire up the google machine absolutely <laughs> google machine. put some coal in that thing fire her up yeah <laughs> yeah it's actually really very good and like it, that's an answer that makes me like know so much more about you so that was like spot on <laughs> Okay, my turn, Erica. I'm talking about Disney. Um, what's your favorite ride there? Ooh, okay. So normally, my, and I'm going to talk from Disneyland because I just mentioned that I think it's better. Um, my normal favorite ride is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It is a dark ride, and it is the most interesting attraction because the ending has nothing to do with the original like movie, and it's I just think there's something nostalgic about it because they took it out of Walt Disney World, so I can only ride it when I'm on the West Coast. Um, but from the months of September to December, Haunted Mansion gets a Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, and I ride that. Anytime, I try to go every other year. I probably ride it 15 times in four days. Like, I'm just on it because I think it's <laughs> the most... It is just Disney at its prime, saying, like, we put all this work into this this thing to make it different and unique and keep people wanting more. And I do. You really are a super fan. Yes. <laughs> I told you. I, I told you. She, I, she goes when it opens and she, she, she's there when it starts. And she's there they when it escort closes. you out. Maybe you're really known there. They, they know your name there. I need to move to California. Let's go. <laughs> Moving to the West Coast. All right. Oh my God. Okay. So now back to you, Josie. Um, just to flip it. So I was casually perusing your blog and I came across such a cool article. Um, TikTok is going to college and I am a, I don't make TikToks, but I love them. And so I'm wondering what, what is your favorite TikTok trend that you've seen or what's like, you know, what's your favorite thing that you've seen on the For You page? Um, even if you're not making them, I think a lot of us consume them um, pretty regularly. That was one I definitely had to curb quickly because I saw like, I saw what could happen. <laughs> like you really yes. can get sucked into that platform. So especially for that blog, I did a lot of research for it and started to peruse what campuses were doing. What I'm, what I'm loving seeing now, because we're, you know, kind of forced into digital spaces is seeing what educators are creating as well as some in campuses, faculty. I've seen um, a TikTok from advisors who are trying to educate their like advising process all through a TikTok. So it's like educational stuff. While a lot of these tools were meant maybe for play or singing or whatever to try to, to, to transform it into whatever information or experiences we're trying to get out. Um, so that's, uh, 
that's my, I, again, it's a tool I keep my consumption minimal because uh, it could 100%. go bad. I just knew myself. I was like, this could go bad. <laughs> it, it's just so easy. You just yeah. keep going. I get it. Oh, that's so, yeah. I've seen those. I'm kind of on educator TikTok and it's, it's so interesting. I learned so much from this app. Mm-hmm. And then I learned some, some dances too, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm also an educator TikTok, but it's a lot of K through 12. Uh, right yes. now, the video that keeps popping up is the, the one woman kindergarten teacher um, who uses the signs and where's number four? And I'm like very yes. much obsessed with her at this moment. because I, I love just, her. You know, I just, I almost went the, the K through 12 route. So just to see one doing it so creatively and well, I'm just like, yes, ma'am, please give her a raise. Like, please give her- Elementary teachers are entertainers. They have to be so captivating. My mom, she would walk into her kindergarten classroom and she would turn it on. I'm like, who are you? Like, she just- Comes out of nowhere. You have to, so they were born- they, they already had most, not all of them, you know, but a lot of them probably already had that entertainer spark to show up on TikTok in a fun way. Yeah, there was one Absolutely. woman who brings special guests, but what she does is she turns yes. off the camera and uses voices and then she quickly changes outfits and she's like, oh, it's grammar grandma and I'm here to teach you about the period. I'm like, this is so much more creative than I think I can ever be in my entire life. She has like eyeliner for like wrinkles. I'm like, again, all the raises for the, K through 12 educators. Right. Educators, all the races. All, all <laughs> the races. All of them. Love it. Oh, and final. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no. I'm coming oh, to you. Whoops, whoops, whoops. So we're jumping platforms to Twitter. Can you think of what your all-time favorite tweet that you've seen is? Oh, that is a good one. Oh, Twitter is definitely my preferred platform. Uh, all-time favorite tweet. Oh my gosh, that is a good one. I can't even. You want me to share mine? Maybe then. <laughs> yes, please share yours. Please. First. I would love to know that. It's so timely. In well, it's about from four years ago. It was the delete your account tweet from Hillary yes. Clinton. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, wait, why does that sound so familiar? Oh my gosh, yes, that is a good one. I yes. I don't know. I do have to say, actually, I do know one of my first favorite ones, potentially. It was from Taylor Swift, I admittedly say. It was the first time she ever said anything related to politics. And she talks about it in the Miss Americana documentary, where she was first like, please go vote, or please register to vote in Tennessee. And it was, I think, like two years ago during one of the Senate races. And it was the first time she ever spoke up, and everyone was like, what? And it was just probably the first time that she ever used that kind of platform. And I remember that there was just a huge jump in the number of registered voters, like in 24 Mm -hmm. hours, like the biggest jump that I think the state had ever seen. And I just, that was, I was like, that was one of the first, not the first, but one of the biggest times I was like, that is someone using their platform. Like, I mean, knowing how many followers Taylor Swift has, but I have to say that's one of the, one of my favorite. I was like, yes, girl, do it. And now she's become more vocal. Like now she's actively talking about politics, like yeah. actively setting her opinions on things, and like advocating for people to be civically engaged. I'm like, yes, girl, that's the, that's what you got to do. Yeah. I love that documentary to hear that story of her finding her voice and using her platforms. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful. Oh, absolutely. Um, go T-Swift. We, we, we stand. We stand. We do love her. She's got to come up in every episode, right? <laughs> she, she comes up in many. <laughs> she's almost like a guest star at this point, if we're going to be quite honest. Uh, but, you know, we can always talk about that. <laughs> um, 
Oh, and now my the final question of the series of our rapid fire, Erica. What is the most underrated or underappreciated punctuation mark in writing? Wow, my sweet little journalism degree hanging on the wall right there is so proud. Okay, I think, ooh, it's the Oxford comma. It's a bad rep. And I love an Oxford comma. And Agassiz and I graduated from the same program almost here at the University of Florida. And that was one thing. You'd never use the Oxford comma. Like that thing was out of here. And I loved her. So, you know, I, I, I bring her back now in everything I write. <laughs> you know, in grad school, like that was way integrated back into my writing. So yeah, it's the Oxford comma. It's a great song too by Vampire Weekend if you're, you know, looking to bop to grammar. But yeah, Oxford comma, 100%. Good question, I can see. That was a good one. I Thank you. That is a good one. That is a good one. We do miss the Oxford comma. We do appreciate the Oxford comma. Um, but yes, not a, not, a, not a huge thing in our undergraduate degree program. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, great. So we are now going to transition into our new, well, to our favorite little game, name. That. Scott. Boom. We're trying to come up with a way we can like add some music to this uh, to our producers listening uh, off this call. Please add some music into our pod uh, because we are not the musical folks. Unfortunately, the, the pitch is not right, uh, but away we go. For the folks listening at home, this is where I get to ask our guests and Erica to correctly identify an institution based off of their mascot. Important to note is that all the institutions we do talk about are within the Saxa region. Um, so just wanted to bring some highlights and, you know, some knowledge uh, about the Saxa region and all the wonderful folks we have here. So for, in honor of our guest, uh, who does, of course, teach part-time or teach um, at Florida State University, um, we're going to center these institutions in Florida, um, which I know Erica may have a slight upper hand in, uh, given that- I'm sure. I'm bad at this, but I'm Florida. bad at this. But, you know, we, I think it's fair game. I will say, I do think there's an equal playing field, even though Erica lives and works and all that from Florida. But here we go. So this mascot's name is Azul the Eagle, or Azul the Eagle. That's all we get? Right. Yes. <laughs> That's all we get. <laughs> I'm, I'm here with you. Um, the thing is, I know that one of the schools that's named starts with Florida has an owl as a mascot but I can't remember if it's Florida Atlantic or Florida Gulf Coast maybe somewhere in Miami one of the <laughs> I'm gonna go just based on alphabetical Florida Atlantic and Josie's guessing somewhere in Miami yeah <laughs> okay so Assume the Eagle um, is from is from Florida Gulf Coast University, FGCU. Oh my gosh, did you say Eagle? Yes. And I where did I get owl from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're like, I think owl, I'm like, girl, that's not even what I said, but I was like, So okay. actually technically I'm correct because Florida uh, Atlantic is an owl. So uh, and it's where is it in where what city Agassiz? So established in 1991, Florida Gulf Coast University is a public university in Fort Myers, Florida. So our West Coast friends of the, the West Coast of Florida, that is. <laughs> so that's kind of South Florida, is it not? 
Uh, you know, South Florida is more like the southeast part of Florida, and it's really just a whole different kind of country. Like Miami's not in South Florida; it's like the northern province of Cuba. Like ah, we're gonna that be is true. That is true. Very real and direct. Uh, as someone who grew out there, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we were both uh, not fully, not wholly wrong or okay. right on that one. I was totally wrong. <laughs> I, got, I, I named the wrong animal. At least Josie's on it. She's like, yeah, I was wrong. Eric is on like, I mean, I said an owl. So it's like when I said eagle. It was mine. I was right in my head. There you go. Okay. So for our second and last one, we're going to keep it to two institutions this time. Venom, the rattlesnake. Oh, um, I will give you another hint. They are in Tallahassee, Florida. Oh. I don't want to get it right because I want to- Tallahassee Community College? Florida. Oh, wait, what is the A? Agricultural and Mechanical University. Fam you. Florida A&M University, fam you. Yes. Venom the, the Rattlesnake, right down the road from Florida State University. They were established in 1885 um, as a public and historically black university in Tallahassee, Florida. I did not know the mascot's name was Venom. Now I do. I know. So I also aggressive. It's, we love <laughs> it's my, high school, my high school was the Cobras. We, we always had a cute little, like a little, for the folks at home doing hand motions uh, at, at our little football games. Uh, I was in the band, so I had to go to all the football games. So... Our high school mascot was the doggies, like the longhorn bull, but like people would call us like the doggies or the, it was just, we were set up to fail. (laughs) My school's (laughs) colors were orange and brown, so they always called us the fall school, which is a joke there. (laughs) Orange and black. (laughs) Miami has no fall. It's just, you have a less mild summer throughout the year. I get Um, it. So (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks. We didn't pick this, you know. We were just the bears, so nothing to write home about. Nothing to write home. <laughs> okay, y'all. Well, thank you so much for playing. Um, and now we get to transition into our conversation. And we have quite an array of great and wonderful questions that we'll get to chat about with our guests. Um, and of course, we'll chime in here and there. Um, but just starting off in the first one, Josie, really just wanted to, to, wanted to see if you can give us just a quick overview. You know, how did you get started in online engagement work? And what really led you uh, to start in this path for yourself? So I think this audience will appreciate this, as you might identify being very uh, ambitious, uh, achieving uh, young or not young or whatever you are, professionals, newer in the field. Um, And that was me for a very, very long time. I mean, I still am. But I had so many ideas and beliefs and things. And uh, my, my joke is that I almost got fired from my job because of Facebook. And uh, that is where my online engagement uh, story starts was because at the time when I was hired, I won't say the the campus, um, they had policies in place that they didn't want anyone on this campus on Facebook. No department, not as a person, but like no department or the university. So this was like early on Facebook. And I was like, but that's where students are. Like, and I was in student activities. I was like, we must use these tools. Like I am printing hundreds of flyers and they're like being tossed out every single week. Like this is also going to save us money. And so, um, so I just did it. And I started a page and even worse to their eyes is I let students run it. I trained them. I held them accountable. We had standards and guidelines and, um, and, 
And so I, I took the risk, obviously, and sh- and documented my process, but also how quickly the page grew and how much our events increased in attendance. And now it's it's still one of the most largest pages at the campus for a student activities group. I mean, not the main university page. So I saw opportunities with these platforms immediately. And it was through a little bit of a lens of promotions and marketing, but the engagement piece then came when I started to find students were connecting with each other through maybe an event or a post or a platform. But I really saw that when my partner started a YouTube channel and I would see in the comments kids, because that was that's our primary demographic, connect with each other from all over the world and then become like digital besties that may never meet ever. And so again, I was like, this is amazing. Why isn't anyone talking about how cool this was? Um, And so anyway, that was like early on. I've just always seen the potentials with these platforms um, that uh, before we started to see full-time positions for people doing social media or strategy and things like that. You were an early adopter. That's right. Right there. I love it though. Take the risk and see, I mean, like meeting students where they are. I think that's something that I've loved about student affairs and higher ed is I think we're always kind of those people who are willing to push because we, we keep talking, you know, about where we are here, but four years later, our students are in a completely different mindset and we have to change. I mean, your, you know, blog about TikTok was so true that students are, they're in a new space and we have to find them. And so at that time it was Facebook and this time it's, it's TikTok and challenges. And I think right. it's fun to be, be fluid in that and know that right. we're always going to be pivoting. Yeah. I mean, the nimbleness is so important. We finally got Facebook under our feet, but our audience has moved on to four different places. And this pandemic has forced us to try out tools. Cause I think that's a hard thing too, is some leadership might not be comfortable doing, having a presence in platforms where they don't know it, or it, it seems as if it's not for them or it'd be inappropriate to do. Um, but actually like, no, it just makes you so much more accessible. And if you show up um, authentically, then you potentially have a cool card on the line that you could, yeah. you know, like gain with your students, whether if it's you yourself or like our programs and things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely hear that. I definitely hear the appropriate word a lot. Is it appropriate for us to do this? Like, should we be on this? And of course, those are definitely questions to ask. Like, of course, there is a line there for sure. But I often do think about, you know, the the administrators that I see on on Twitter, just like talking to people and how that just humanizes them. You know, I know Eric and I went to the same alma mater and like due to the nature of our, our, our first generation program, we interacted with the president, I would say more on average than I would say like a student outside of our program, just because the program is very near and dear to his heart. And I didn't realize that as a student, I was like, what do you mean you've never met the president? Like, and I was like, of course, like we know Bernie, like we've met him, like, you know, Erica, Erica's goal <laughs> when we were a mentor in our program was I'm going to take a different picture with Bernie Matchin every single year. And like, and I did it. And she did. I did and that. It just, again, and you know, that was, I think, 
you know, and social media, I think, was, was in, a, in, a, in a pretty big place when we were, you know, students, but definitely not in the place I think it is now where, like, I mean, the platforms are just overflowing. And, you know, similar to that point, it's like, I feel like sometimes we're the ones chasing after the students because the students are already there. Like, we're running to try to chase after them in a way. It feels like, like TikTok, it's like, they're already on there. You know, this scare with TikTok shutting down, it's I was like, okay, well, what's going to happen now with the, the students and the content creators and like the institutions who are trying to pull together the resources to, to like expand into those areas? Yeah, I definitely find, I mean, maybe because like the instigator I was early on with Facebook is that uh, grad students, new professionals, if you are some of the early adapters, you see potential in tools it is the weight that's given to you to transform how others view of it, which can make that change a longer process. And that's why I feature so many presidents or deans. I'm like, look, they're doing it to be able to kind of like prove that ROI and the proof of it, um, whether if it's for a campus leader or for a program. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of misperceptions. My dissertation research was on college student leaders. And at the time, this was like 2013, 14, um, there was this big thing and there still is a little bit like, I don't want any students to connect with me on Facebook. Like that is, you know, like my final draw, whatever, because I don't, but the reasons were always interesting to me. A lot of times they were fearful of what they would see students posts that we already assume students are bad. And I, my dissertation was to go out and prove them wrong. I'm seeing a pattern here. I should talk about this in therapy. So I wanted to study student leaders who had gotten intense levels of training and were doing really great in their positions because we do know not all student leaders are successful, right? Um, developmentally, they, they need some, some support. So I wanted to see if they're doing great in their jobs What's our concern about connecting with them in digital spaces if we think they're completely torn apart and incongruent? And so overwhelmingly of the participants, 98% of them were like completely over the board fine. And like, I would totally want to connect with any of those students. There was a lot more to the study, but I feel like all of these things were just trying to prove their worth. And let's just also say like, some of these platforms are also pretty messed up, right, ethically, and we can dig into that, but um, just seeing it as a tool of an opportunity and not immediately shutting it down is half of my job, I swear. <laughs> I, I am so glad you mentioned this because I have always been told you keep it separate. You don't have your students on Facebook, and, and obviously there's a difference between being a student leader and being a professional, but... I, I love what you're saying, like we're, we're shutting it down immediately before we even know that, you know, I think this is the way that many students connect. It's no longer in the way that, you know, I did in college and that's the way they're looking for information and support. And you might've just completely changed like something that has been ingrained in me for many, not that many years, but many years. So you heard it here first folks, some cognitive dissonance going on. I mean, I literally presented to an executive cabinet uh, a couple weeks ago. And at the end of basically I presented this framework that's in the book and they said like, like the president and vice presidents. And they're like, you realize this entire framework goes against everything that we've ever been told. <laughs> and it's not even that like rocket science or, I mean, you know, like massive change, but it, it is a big shift that thinking about from accessibility of ourselves, vulnerability, authenticity, um, 
So, so we think social is so simple, right? You just get an account and you start posting, but it, it's actually unpacking all kinds of considerations about identity and values and meaning. And so I really, really wish there was more conversations or, or all out courses about how that shows up for grad and doc students. Because many times you are just kind of left to, well, I'm just going to keep everything closed because that is simple, right? Like lock it up or maybe make a second Instagram account or something. I always tell people, whatever helps you sleep at night, because we're already like tapped for, you know, like tax with to-do lists and, and sleep struggles. So um, I would just say have at least one other way other than email to potentially forge a relationship and a connection with students digitally. Maybe that's a group me. Maybe that's... Um, like some kind of DM platform, Snapchat, like just figure out what that one is for you. You don't have to be done everything. That's exhausting. That's why I'm not on TikTok. So that is definitely how I feel about it too. Like go with the, go where, where your strengths lie. I have, you know, I have quite a number of, of social media accounts, but like Instagram is definitely, it's definitely not where I gravitate towards. Um, I definitely gravitate towards, towards Twitter just because I think of the, the idea sharing and the, I think the, the longer form that this new, this new trend, I think, of creating threads on Twitter, and now that that is like a, something that happens a lot more in the platform, where Twitter used to be like this, oh, you just push short ideas, like 20, 280 characters, and now it's like people who have like 10, 13, 15 like tweets of threads. I'm like, I love that. Like, I love the longer narrative. I, when you know, I know you're talking about like connecting with students. I'll never forget the first time that a student screenshot one of my tweets and put it in a group me that we were all in. It's a group that I advise. And I remember I texted my super, I texted my supervisor immediately. And I was like, I, what do I do? Like, should I put this on private? Like, I'm a little worried because they posted, they screenshot a tweet. It was actually about Casey Musgraves, um, which she liked. <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite tweets ever. Uh, I screamed when I found out. Um, but when they screenshot it, there was no other comment. It was just a screenshot in a group me. And I was like, okay, where, where is this going? Like, are they about to make fun of me? Are they about to like say something bad? And then it was just, that's how I found out that the majority of that group were huge Casey Musgrave fans. And it just like completely, I almost feel like it was a pivot in our relationship where they were like, Agassi, you like Casey Musgrave? Wait, what's your favorite song? What do you think about the album? And like, when I went to her concert, they're like, you went to her concert? Oh my gosh, how was it? Like, it was just like, it, it was just like, it, we discovered a new layer of a relationship together. And I was like, this is, that was so cool. Yeah. Like, and it was just, I, all I did was tweet about Casey Musgraves and how much I loved her. Like, truly, like that was all it was, but it opened up the avenue to like a new part of our relationship. I love together. that example like so, so much. Pop culture is a great example. Pets and babies and like travel are other simple ways that you can personalize. I don't say personal. I don't say professional because then we start to get into like debates about what that is, but I've seen that example dozens and dozens of times. You, you tweet out some favorite artist, and then all of a sudden you're human. And they're like, oh, I do. I like that too. Oh, oh, I miss my dog. How's your dog doing? I saw you went to the vet. And then that builds onto a, a relationship. And that's what social media is really needs to be about in higher ed is relationships. So I'm so glad you shared that example. That's really cool. Absolutely. And, you know, I know we're, we've already kind of started talking a little bit about it, but, but, you know, what do you believe are some of the biggest challenges you see higher ed professionals experience, I think, in expanding into like the digital world? 
Yeah. Well, pre-COVID, we can talk about those challenges. Are we ever going to go back there? I think you have to address the elephant in the room of perception and choice and who gets to tweet what they want and who would be held to different standards. Uh, we see that, though, from new professionals to faculty to vice presidents who, you know, have institutions haven't had their back or they have just chosen to post content that didn't work out well for them. And or that even the idea or that me saying authenticity online is not an option, or at least by definition, someone um, with, with left, less privilege would need to unpack that and honestly debate it a little bit. So what I say, and of course there's definitions of authentic leadership, which I talk about in the book, you get to make up that def definition. Or when we use the word genuine, even you could say, well, how do we know if someone's really being genuine online? You could, is it mean if they're being honest? If, are they, you know, you know, like interpretation on the internet is difficult. I mean, and text messages and emails, like that again should be like a course in itself. Like there's literally a definition of emojis and there's been research on emojis. Like what do these actually mean? Some of these, we really do need to know what they mean, right? <laughs> Before you send out that eggplant emoji or something. Wasn't meant to be like that, but um, so that's a challenge because, and what works for one person at one institution, one position, wouldn't elsewhere. So for example, Walter Kimberl, he's the president at um, HBCU. Oh my gosh. Isn't it UMBC? University no. of Maryland, Baltimore? Dillard University. Oh, Dillard. In oh New Orleans. Yeah. So he's mentioned in the book. He's super outspoken. He like tweets at the president. He just very, very ex expressive um, and celebratory, but his board hired him to do that. Like they, that's what they want of him to be that bully pulpit, open communication. And it's not like that at every single campus. And so when we talk about when you're job searching and understanding campus culture, it also means, can you get a sense of what professionals are doing at that institution online? If your expression online is important to you. You want to be able to integrate that into your work. I would definitely look up the dean of students, the vice president, the provost, like see what their activities like. Can you find any new professionals or their RDs, career counselors? You know, again, Google is a magic thing. So look them up on Twitter, even if it, are people active on LinkedIn or Instagram. It's not creepy. It's just called like, it's just Social listening is the formal internet term for it. It's not stalking. <laughs> it's environmental um, scanning. It's using the resources at your disposal absolutely. to see what's publicly available. When it's flipping it on its head, when we're worried, oh, I'm applying for this job. I need to lock all my accounts down because they're going to look me up. You can do the, the same thing. For, not like you're going to call them out on that in the interview, but also what if you thought of your accounts as another form in your application? Like when they look at your Instagram account, they're like, oh yeah, this seals the deal. Like this, they, they, we would want exactly that at our institution, but also know that some institutions wouldn't want potentially your type of activity on Twitter because that's just not something that is embraced there. And I've heard that Unfortunately, we've got grads and new professionals being discouraged, being 
screenshotted nothing <laughs> that talk about ethics in in digital communities like that's that's honestly the biggest challenge and the bummer for me because i i'm here today because of digital communities and finding relationships on social media um so for people to really turn that against each other in our field um is 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 a bummer and because a lot of it can be done anonymous, we won't really find out where that came down to. So, yeah. And that, I think, reminds me, um, anytime I'm talking to new grads, it, it's very similar when I say, if someone has an issue with piercings or tattoos or your hair, that's not necessarily somewhere you want to work, right? Why do we want to work at a place that's going to police parts of us? I think we can look at social media as an extension of that. If, you know, they're seeing this... Um, it's my expectation that if I get this job, I'm going to stop and being as funny as I am on Twitter or talking about those things, because that's scary to me to think that I would potentially work somewhere that wasn't okay with the things that I cared about. And so I think we can look at it as an extension of your right, the, the job application and interview, because we tell grads all the time, you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. So look at their social platforms and see what their values are. That tells mm -hmm. us more than I think, you know, some people would be willing to share in a formal interview setting. Mm. And I'm so glad that you touched on, I think, the, uh, the privilege of certain identities being able to, I think, have, I think, more ground to say what they want on social media, whether it is by positionality, whether it is by the identities they hold directly as like social identities, like that is a real thing. I mean, I, I know that I've spoken to colleagues who are like, I can't say those kinds of things because I'm going to get screenshot. I'm going to end up on a certain Facebook group blacklisted. And like the idea of like the, the idea of like a, a list of like blacklisted individuals is like a scary concept. And sometimes it does in a way silence people from being able to speak out about the things they agree or disagree with, especially the things that are happening at their institutions. And like, you know, it's, it's like when I interact with students and like we find out that we're, we kind of disagree or agree on some of the same things. And it's like, oh, I also kind of have some challenges with this. And it, again, it's one of those moments of like, wait, you do? wait, like, wait, so like, you disagree with this too? And it's, there's almost like an element of like, again, like, oh, wait, you're a person? Like, it's like, it's like when you see your- You're real. You're real. It's like when you see your elementary school teacher like at a grocery store and like, oh my God, you buy food too? Like, it's like this, like, it's just like a, a, a light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, you're a person. And okay. even though we work together, like, it's just sometimes, uh, again, like, I do think that professionals at times try to draw this line between like, I'm this and you're that. And like, that's where we're going to keep each other. Um, but definitely I think the, the fear is there. I mean, even there are sometimes when I will draft a tweet and Erica knows this because she's uh, part of my unofficial official social media council. We're all sending nice, to her. I love that. You know, we are, we're out here supporting. We're out here supporting each other. We are thriving. We're learning. Um, I just got to make sure they're funny enough. I'm like, do you, would you laugh at this? I'm like, or I'll be like, do you think this is spicy? Like, do you think this is okay? Like, and because I'm also trying to be mindful and careful because I'm, I'm trying to be realistic about, you know, I'm an entry level professional. I'm new to this world and I'm trying to be mindful. Although I do think that I definitely express myself pretty well on social media. Um, Cause again, I know that students follow me on there and I want to almost, I think showcase. I'm like, 
you know, like, yeah, we can talk about these things. And I'm, I'm open to talking about these things because at the end of the day, I do think that part of our jobs as student affairs professionals is to expand students' worldviews. And like doing that is showcasing who I am and saying like, you want to talk about this? Okay, let's talk about this. Because again, with that example I mentioned with the Casey Musgraves, like I think before then in my relationship as an advisor to that group, it was like, I'm the advisor, you're the students. Like there wasn't a moment of like, I'm real and we could talk about real things. And after that, oh my gosh, I learned so much about those students because like it just, it opened the door. Like one student was like, what do you think of Demi Lovato? I really liked your last album. And I'm like, I was like, I would, I, I even talked to my supervisor. I was like, I did not expect that comment from that student. Like I think it's just of who I thought he was and you know, his background. And you know, I was like, wait, you Demi Lovato, what? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I'd love... <laughs> I just really loved that. Again, it opened the doors for that. But again, the fear is definitely there. Yeah. Sure. Well, and even role modeling and mentorship should be part of the conversation with social because the students in my research told me examples of, well, my advisor does this or my RD does this. So I guess that's what I'll do when I ask them, when you're a professional, how will your social media change? And they and that RD never had like, this is what you should do as an adult. They just observe us. Um, and they, you know, like might feed into some of those behaviors if they kind of assume, but also to have open dialogue, right? Not just when they've made the really poor choice of put, putting something out there, but just in navigating the internet period. Like, I think it'd be an interesting question. Like, well, do you think you're going to tweet out anything about how you're going to vote or... Um, you know, like, or like issues, like making that choice, not like you need to tweet what you, your beliefs are about voting. Like, what do you think about that? And having that open dialogue, cause it's not a, you must or must not. Um, I think they get really interested in having that type of dialogue that again, goes back to big issues that doesn't even have to do with the internet at all. Yeah. And once again, you know, when, uh, I think that role modeling piece, again, I do think is so crucial because it's true. And I think sometimes there is the, the misunderstanding or misconception that because students grew up with social media or the internet that they inherently know how to use it. And like, not that that's totally incorrect, but again, like there's so many ways you can use these tools because I, and I know you've talked about this quite a bit in, in some of, some of the, some of your like resources, but it's, it's a tool, but not a solution at all times. And again, it's how do we use this for, for good? Because I, I mean, back to the, oh, I'm gonna have a private and a public Twitter. I know people who have private and public Twitters or private and public Instagram accounts. And again, like if that's your choice, that's your choice. But I've had individuals have said, maybe you should have a private one. I'm like, why? Like, I feel like I don't say anything bad on my feed. I feel like I'm being authentic. I feel like I'm being me. I tweet about professional things. I tweet about personal things because at the end of the day, like I feel like I'm a complete picture in some ways. And that is the choice that I've made. Mm -hmm. That is not the choice for everybody, but that is the choice that I've made. Even with Erica, again, my, my unofficial counsel, I sometimes be like, do you think my, my feet is kind of balanced? Do you think I have like a good mix of like personal professional? Um, and I check it with other people. I'm like, if you just looked at my feed, what would you think about me? Um, because again, I am trying to be cognizant that like other people are looking just because I right. can't see them looking doesn't mean they're not. And not that I'm job searching right now. Don't worry, Miles. But you know, in the future, are they gonna look at my Twitter account and think, 
whoa, this guy's a lot? Or are they going to be like, this is the guy we want because look at what he thinks, look at what he values, look at what he believes in. And I interact with students. Like students will tweet at me and I'll respond. I'm like, yeah, like let's chat. Because it's yeah. just it's fun. It's a fun way to get to know and to connect with people, especially right now where it's like the only way you can connect sometimes is like, if you schedule a Zoom call. And that's not how I think sometimes people socialize. You pop into mm -hmm. people's offices, you're like, hey, I was in the area, I, was, I just wanted to say hi. And I think social media at least kind of gives you that doorway to be like, hey, what's up, in a way. Right, well, and I think you hit on um, two pieces of you are mindfully aware, you're involving other people in your process. So having that like digital board of directors or like crew to be like, hey, what do you think of this? Look at my timeline. Um, and then uh, the second piece, as you said, it was about values. And that is a core part of my book. I'm not trying to sell this thing, but I really do believe in it. Like, just make your choices based on your values. And maybe that's where you need to start, not what platforms to be on, but what do you value? Who are you? Like leadership questions to discern. So then when you are faced with difficult choices of what to post or not, or getting screenshotted, you can stand behind it. You're like, no, that's me. I, I will go to bed and sleep very well because I know all of these things I put out there, I stand behind. Um, and so again, that's why I call it leadership and digital leadership because it, we do need to approach it through that lens. 10 out of 10. And I think plug the book all the way because Agassi and I are going to be ordering some copies. So don't oh. worry. <laughs> uh, but I think we're just at time. So Josie, thank you so much. This was such a a good conversation. I learned a lot. I know Agassi is geeking out in the background. So <laughs> it was so much fun to to learn more about you. And I think you you talked about leading with like authenticity and vulnerability. And I see that. And I think we'll see that in the book. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to plug though, besides your book, maybe your podcast again? Well, one more thing that didn't come up that especially when we talk about uh, networking and professional development during these challenging times is the week of like that we went into lockdown here in LA and many campuses closed, I started a Facebook group called, and it's now called Higher Ed Digital Community Builders. And we, almost every week we do a panel of uh, community builders in higher ed on different topics. So, um, so it's com again, completely free and a space to learn and interact. Um, and so I would welcome listeners to join that space. You've got one more person who will be adding themselves to that group. Thank you so much. OG, mem OG member before the name change. Uh, yeah. I just think the name Look at t-shirts. Yes, yes. Oh, don't, don't have I remember when it was. <laughs> it was a really long title. I'm like, this needs, it's still too long, but that's okay. It's good stuff. You love the succinctness. It is good. And, you know, just advocating a little bit for the Facebook group. It is it is nice to see people actively talking about these things because, again, like this is something I'm very interested in. And you're definitely one of the first people I saw engaging in this role. You know, two years ago, you presented at ACPA with a doctoral student at FSU. And that was the first one I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a class that teaches students how to lead online. And I think that was the first one I was like, this could be a thing. Like it was just it was just really cool. Um, but yes, OG, OG member of the Facebook group. Um, but again, it's just, it's nice to see the community aspect because again, and you definitely talk about this, you, we can't go at these things alone. And to know that there are other people on the other side, I, 
just supporting and rooting. Um, I've also just learned so much from what other people are doing on their campuses um, and those examples. Because again, we're starting, I think, in, in my area, in my department to branch into that space. So um, I think all, the, all the, the little tidbits and all the elements of support are definitely just so good. Awesome. Thanks again, and obviously thanks to everyone for joining us today for the first five years presented by SAXA. This is so neat. Y'all, you two are like magic beans. I, you're oh, so great. You're, stop right now. So <laughs> keep hyping us up, though. We love this. Oh, thank no, but you keep so going, keep much. Going, keep going. No, I'm just <laughs> we need, listen, it is 2020. It is September 2020. We need all the affirmations, all the positive vibes. I literally yes. just tweeted about feeling like an imposter this morning, and I told myself, nah, -uh, not today, girl. Not Don't today. Let anyone steal your sparkle, Agassi. That's you right, said girl. This. If you all are looking for more information on SAXA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, on the various social media platforms, go ahead and check them out on Facebook, backslash SAXA fan page, on Twitter, at SAXA tweets, or on Instagram, SAXAgrams. And if you want to connect with us, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Agassi R, that's A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Erica, what's your, what's your handle? You can find me a little more complicated at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. And Josie, where can we find you? I am all over the interwebs. I mean, I do have a TikTok, but I'm at Josie Alquist and then JosieAlquist.com. Yes. And again, buy the book. We're promoting it for you so it doesn't count. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we can't wait to join you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.